0: Another ninety-five one, the peak exclusive interview. Melanie, I'm about to freak right out. I know, super <laughs> exciting. Uh, you know, certainly when you when you talk about Canadian icons in music. Uh, you you cannot escape the name Ian Thomas. Uh, not only is he a brilliant singer, songwriter, performer, has hit records, mm-hmm. uh, you hear his music uh, constantly. I mean, it's, it's all over Canadian radio all the time. They're just iconic hits. Uh, he's h- produced and written hits for other artists from Santana to uh, Manfred Mann to America, to Chicago, Bette Midler. Uh, he's also a noted author. He's uh, involved in television and acting. Uh, he's been on the Red Green Show. Uh, we are talking, of course, Ian Thomas. Uh, a pleasure to have you on, and we're so excited that you're coming to Meaford.
1: Oh, after that introduction. I know.
0: I think they just gave away the whole interview <laughs> yeah, show. That's you're, a, good. Uh, you're doing sounds- a <laughs> Sounds like the second coming, for God's sake. <laughs> and you are doing a, uh, it's a unique show that is happening on December 1st. It, it's It's—it's part interview, it's a part discussion, uh, and it's its a part performance.
1: Yeah, uh, this, this gentleman, Cameron Smelly, has done a few of these. Uh, he's a, a bit of something of a musicologist and wonderful interview. Uh, so we've done a couple of these before. And um, what's interesting about them is he knows the music, but he wants the song. He wants the sort of the story behind the music, or you know what you were doing in your life at that point. And it's really interesting, you know. Your songs are sort of like flags in the mud behind you, and it's it's interesting. I could pull up a flag, and for most of them, I could tell you where I was when I wrote it, what was going on in my mind, because usually there's. Um, You know, with the exception of, you know, the love songs, which I'll tell you what was going on in my mind, (laughs) (laughs) but but, uh, it is interesting uh, how these songs are are little markers, uh, and some of them, you know, there's the flip side of that, too. I've often heard that people say, you know, your songs were the soundtrack of my life when I was in college or whatever, and what an amazing privilege that is.
0: Your career is interesting, and I just learned that you kind of, even though you, you you become an iconic music artist, you almost gave up on the business. Well, yeah, it's an easy business to
1: give up on because <laughs> it really gives up on you first. Right in that, and the more corporate, of course, radio became. Uh, you know, you couldn't get arrested if you were over forty. Uh, with, a, with a record, because all the advertising was for 18 to 35-year-olds. Um, so it's uh, it has definitely narrowed down to a very, very, you know, if this had existed when I was growing up, I never would have heard Louis Armstrong singing What a Wonderful World. And my God, uh, it was the fact that this guy with all of this under his belt, all of that life under his mm-hmm. belt was singing that song, but gave it its gravitas, you know? Right. Um, So much like, you know, when Joni Mitchell reprised Both Sides Now with that full orchestra rendering about 10 years ago, and uh, here's this, you know, cigarette-crackled Jack Daniels-infused voice um, singing that same song, but now with just incredible gravitas. She grew into the lyric, You know, it's interesting how as songwriters we can write things that have a greater understanding than we've even achieved at that point in time. And it's sort of like, you know, finding a a formula in mathematics, but you haven't done the math yet, you know? Um, So it's, uh, yeah, I left, I I sort of got pretty downhearted about it. Uh, And actually, I became a film composer in that window as well. Mm. Did about 22 uh, movie scores, and uh, and then, of course, acting. I, I was doing voiceovers for radio commercials uh, since 1975, and that became almost a major part of my income for the better part of 30 years.
0: You talk about how you know songwriting can take you to a place where you have more gravitas than, than maybe you've earned in terms of your age. What Are there any songs in your catalog that, that when you go back and play them now or, or listen to them now, you go, wow, that was pretty, pretty bright for, for back in 1970? For 1970, well, it's interesting. In, in the 70s, um,
1: two songs, Mother Earth, Long, Long Way, were they were really about an awareness of how we were destroying our environment, mm. and and even back then I was thinking, Jesus, we're like a virus, you know, <laughs> we're we're just going to keep uh, reproducing and consuming until the host can no the host is Earth can no longer support us, and and songs like Pilot, for example, which was all about. <laughs> Big business getting ready to, after they had pretty much abused the planet to to the exhaustion of natural resources and pollution, we're getting ready to go to outer space and and screw the masses. And you know, there's Jeff Bezos now circling the globe in his (laughs) in his own spaceship. You know, (laughs) so you've got these billionaires like Gates and Bezos who've used every tax deduction and tax escape, you know, Gates putting all of his patents in, in Ireland, so he didn't have to pay a tax on them like he would in America. So, you know, you wonder why the infrastructure of America is rotting. Well, you can thank Gates and Bezos in part, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're like, they pretty much, you know, raped the land for, for individual wealth. That's obscene. So, these songs were all circling around those all those ideas, and here it is, you know, 2021, and my God, uh, all of this stuff just gets worse and larger than life.
0: As a songwriter, is it bittersweet when another artist takes your song and has a much bigger uh, U.S. hit with it than, than you did, even though it's your song? Well, yeah. And the frustration of that was, by and large,
1: uh, business. So I understand it. Uh, I understand why the move. For example, it's easier to, uh, you know, Clive Davis, for example, uh, tells me, you know, Ian, the runner, it's it's the most important song of the decade. So I knew right off the bat he was blowing smoke up the wazoo. (laughs) And I I waited for the sucker punch because the runner album was there. Yep uh and we were looking for a US uh release um and Arista was really interested in releasing it and then finally he says but we can't Ian I've got too many artists uh you know name our art, artists with bigger names so I'm I would like to use that song for Man for Band. It's like, well all right. Um on one hand there's a sort of a sadness in that. But on the other hand, that another artist is willing to place their career in the hands of your song, mm. um, I mean, that's a validation as a songwriter. So, you know, there's a it, there's a, a sweet side to it as well. And it's definitely, you know, there have been cases when somebody, for example, Ann Murray did a song of mine called Good Again, and it was all about trying to, <clears throat> trying to deal with griefs um and right around the time she lost len rambo who was her uh um manager for the better part of 25 years or so and she was playing this song over and over it was on uh, the the second boomers album and um and i get a phone call you mind if i do this song and and i start hearing you know i've been oh was i've been listening to that damn song over and over since len's gone and I want to put this on my new album. And it was like, oh, well, God bless you. That's what the song was for. It was about trying to heal. and So that one was just kind of a, um, just such a sweet uptake of the song. And the same thing with Bette Midler's version of To Comfort You, also from The Art of Living, the second mm-hmm. Boomer's album. You know, uh, the sound guy was using the record to tune the PA system, and she comes in early. Before a show in this, you know, big theater, and she's sitting in the orchestra street seats, and to comfort you comes comes on, and she says, "Where the hell did you get that? What's that?" <laughs> and I got a phone call for her and she wanted to put it on her new album, and it was just so. Those organic ones are just uh, they're just lovely.
0: The the show is called Artist and Song, Life and Song, and it's December first at Meaford Hall. Tickets are available on their box office. Uh, of course, you are going to have to talk about the boomers. You are going to have to talk about your songwriting, your solo career. Uh, I'll probably mention lunch at Allen's. But we had Mark Jordan on just last week, and uh, uh-huh. what a, what an amazing experience it sounds like you guys are having with that. Well,
1: it's it's wonderful. These are four veterans. Um, they are four kindred spirits. They are. As Murray says, in getting involved in this, he uh, began to understand he somehow acquired two brothers and a sister. He's, and I feel the same. Um, it's it's really
0: it's reached family status.
1: And when we get together, it, the dinners are as much fun as the shows.
0: Speaking uh, speaking of brothers, it's uh, it's uh, common knowledge that uh, your brother, Dave Thomas, from Second City TV, uh, yep. you must have grown up, because I've seen your performances, and the music is always incredible, but you're a funny guy on stage. You you, you were comedian yourself on the Red Green Show. That must have been a hilarious household to grow up in in Hamilton.
1: It was. My dad had a goofy British sense of humor so we were brought up on peter sellers and goons records and we learned to do you know when we'd visit all the relatives in great britain every few years we'd we'd adopt all the accents you know so when we were in scotland of course we put on the, the scottish accent as you possibly could up years with a blow lamp and you know the same thing was, you know, when we were in Wales well it would come the Welsh accent how are you there boy well do do so we just got into doing characterizations at like, a very very young age You're
0: one heck of a hoser as well
1: <laughs> Well that was based on some Dundas characters and then we realized that was a filament that ran through all of North America Yeah Because Dave and Rick remembered showing up to get the keys to the city of Los Angeles at 8 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And there were 5,000 hosers out there (laughs) whipping beer caps at them. And they thought...
0: They were scared, just scared skinny. Look what we've created. This is a monster. Oh, there are so many stories to be told, and we're going to get to hear them December 1st. Meadford Hall, Ian Thomas, and the artist's life in, in song. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for your time with us here on Talk of the Town. Thanks, John. And next time, let Melanie get a word in, would nope, you? No, this was my time. Tell me about <laughs> <that>. it. <Okay.
1: laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. All, the way. all right.
0: Another 95 Won the Peak exclusive interview. For more discussions about your community, visit the Talk of the Town page at thepeakfm.com.